received the authority of the key of David that he then uses to open that door for this rapture church. And I'm going to do a quick rundown, then I will start opening up everything one by one. Let me just do a quick rundown off head, right away again, as you're focusing on me. Again, the model church for the rapture on this final day of the colloquium session, it says to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? In other words, document this, right? These are the words of him who is holy and true. And we have seen very clearly that in that manner of identification, there is a purpose. And here, he is pronouncing his true divinity, identity. If you check in the Old Testament, the way the Lord is called, the Holy One. The Holy One. The Holy One of Israel. So he announces to them that he is God. He has the divinity of God. And he says, he is set apart from sin. He is separated. Transcendent God is far removed from the moral decay. And that means even to bring grace is a condescendence. We should have just received with all our hearts and embraced, right? And he says, this is the one who is true, meaning other fake messiah would appear. Okay, here you can tell, alluding even to the Antichrist himself, as he did in Matthew 24, right? And he says, out of being holy, this identity is transmitting an instruction to the church that look now, anybody that wants to enter the rapture or the kingdom of God must also be holy. You be holy just as I am holy, so you be holy. It's an instruction. Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. For without holiness, nobody will see the Lord. That is coming through very clean and clear, right? Again, you're focused on me because you've written so much. And so, he's saying, what he opens with that key of David, Jehovah's David, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. And then we saw a scripture in the Old Testament. We saw in the Old Testament, we saw uh, Shebna. Shebna was corrupt, right? And he lost that office. And he lost the key. Not lost as losing. The Lord transferred. Plus the garment. Transferred to who? Sorry? Eliakim, yes. You, you have just read this, please. Just make sure you know these things. To Eliakim. And so, Eliakim is the one that would decide who he was like prime minister or chief minister. Who is going to see the king? If you wanted to see the king, Eliakim would have to open for you, otherwise you will not. And we see very clearly that in that scripture they say, holding the key to the house of David. So it was a foretelling, a prophecy of what the Messiah would do. And so, eventually, when the promise is given by by, by um, 
Nathan, Nathan, the prophet of the Lord, is speaking to David. David wants to build the temple. Then he says, no, you cannot. It's your greater son. So finally, in Revelation chapter 1, you see the greater son of David introducing himself there. Raiz the David, the root of David. And then, right here, you see that finally he has the authority of admission into the house of David. He has the key that admits into the throne of David. Meaning, only he now can admit you into the kingdom of God the Father. You remember too well, I didn't read for you that scripture in the book of First Corinthians, whereby he will rule after he has put all his enemies underfoot, and then he will transfer the kingdom to God the Father. You know this timeline, right? And so he's saying here that this key does much. This key resurrects dead bodies. This key calls heaven to the earth. This key brings the cloud of God, raises creepers. This key opens heaven, brings rain. This key, we have seen so many things it does, brings the gospel, salvation. Hallelujah. And eternity, the rapture. Then he says, I know your deeds. You don't hear him say, I know your faith. Because he's alluding to the fact that he's saying, in other words, that when you are born again proper and regenerated in your heart. Anyway, all these things I'm saying appertain to this rapture church. I hope you understood that. I'm simply laying out the array, the spectrum of the identity of that. You need to drink water instead of yawning here, Vincent. Nobody yawns in my presence. And don't even laugh. Don't laugh, don't smile. It's not necessary. It's not even funny. Not at this time. Because I have so much here that I want to clear tonight. The last day. So, very serious, he says. When you are born again and the heart is regenerated, the deeds coming out of you will be good deeds, holy deeds. That is from the inward to the outward. That's what he's saying. And he's saying, I know you are dead. See, I placed before you a door open that no one can shut. That is very powerful. A guarantee of entry into the rapture. He has given her right there. And then he said, remember this door open, number one, is for service, right? First of all, it's for evangelism, to go out, reach out to people. When the door opened for us, then we, we were called on that side because the door had opened for us to share the gospel. And so forth and so forth. But when it closes, the, the door for evangelism, church age closes, then now you see it open in the book of Revelation chapter 4. When now, all of a sudden, looked up into heaven, a door standing open. Meaning it's time to change venue. Come up here now. We say it, and we saw it yesterday, snatching from the fire, right? And the, the same one snatching are now snatched away. He said, I know your deeds are placed the door open before you that no man can close. I know that you have little strength, and yet you have kept my word. And he's saying, that strength, little, little strength, so you, your own picture, I don't know what picture you have for this church, but this is a church now that has strength is the word. The word she kept in her heart, and the name of Jesus she kept in her heart. That is our strength. When you ask her around, she has nothing much to write home about, right? Hallelujah. 
but her ways. What, what, let me explain to you one thing about this strength. Allow me just stop there for a moment. He's saying that it does not matter what other people say. You should not worry of what other people say. Like this church. As long as they had the word of Christ and the name of Christ and they knew they were with him, it did not matter whether they are not part of the big names or whatever, they just moved on. Because the presence of the Lord was with them. The key is the presence of the Lord. And the presence of the Lord is manifestable. Did you understand that? It, there, is, there must be evidence that the presence of the Lord is here. Creepers must be walking. The blind must see. The, the, the presence of the Lord is not a storybook or a story. The presence of the Lord comes to address real problems. In fact, the Bible says it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. So it comes to serve people. You understand? And so, in this case then you see, this church separated out. Did not join the other fellowship of pastors and what have you. This church. And then he says, I see you have little strength. I know that you have little strength. And yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Meaning, the Lord is telling us here that many opportunities came when persecution was raging. Maybe these Christians were not finding jobs because of the way they are raised. Yeah, because you can tell they are holy. They are holy. Yeah, this is the model church. They are holy. Maybe they were, some of them, dispossessed by their people, communities. But they did not renounce the name of Jesus. And they kept his word in their hearts. And the word then became their compass, began to guide them. We are talking about the holy word. And that's why if you find a church where they don't love holiness, you try to preach repentance, they try to walk away. They say, no, I'll go start my own church so we can preach what we want. Okay, and then there is a problem there. Holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. The holy word, the cross is holiness. When the grace came, it did not mean that now God is less holy. Not at all. The cross is a demonstration full of the holiness of God. That without him doing that, you cannot access him. Hallelujah. And so he says here, and I have not denied my name, I have met those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Look at this, focus on me. This is big statement. This is really big. Because he's saying here that there is a revival coming to Israel. So he's saying they are not Jews. Does it mean he's anti-Semitic? Not at all. He's only against Satan. Right? Because does it mean they are not Jews? Not at all. They are. Romans chapter 2, if you read verses 28 and 29, he defines there that the Jew is one who is one inward. 
inward. Are you with me? I need to move because we have a very big backlog here to clear today. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in Thank the flesh. So it is inward. And so he was saying that they ought to have received him. You see the definition of a Jew? And then he says, from, from the inward, he says, they were attacking the people of the Lord, the church. And that's why he says the synagogue of Satan. Meaning at that time they are running the agenda of Satan by attacking the church of Christ. Follow me on this now. Your eyes on me. And then, in this he makes one of the biggest pronouncements. Because he says that when he is done with this church, a time will come when now the synagogue, you will give them part of the synagogue. That's just one third we know that. Part of the synagogue will come. Meaning, they will come to the knowledge of the Christ. There is a revival coming to Israel, he pronounces here. And in other words, he alludes to Romans chapter 11, verse 25, all the way to 32. Whereby, in 25 he says, until the fullness of the number of the Gentiles come in. Then he will now focus on Israel and he alludes to that time when now all of them will be rushing to Jesus. Did you understand, blessed people? When he's saying, I thought I should just say it off the cuff so that you have something for yourself as I go into the depth in front of me here. He's saying, it's a revival of Israel. That they would run, they would run to the Lord. But look at this now. Why are they running to the feet of the Christians. Because remember the big contention there, the big battle there, was that heaven belongs only to Israel. And that the Gentiles have not been accepted in. So what he's saying here is equivalent to what happened to Peter in the house of Cornelius, remember? When now the Holy Spirit came and touched the Gentiles, say, oh, even these people have been admitted into the kingdom. They have been blessed. Hallelujah. But in this place he's also saying something significant that the Lord never blesses two programs at the same time. He's saying here that when he's done with the agenda of the Gentile church, the rapture has happened, then he will now begin the program of restoring Israel to Jesus, to himself. So he says big things here, the revival of Israel, that they will come to the Lord. And he's also talking about the fact that uh, he does not share two programs. And that's why you see for now, he that speaks with you here, he has seen so much. He has shared with some of them to you, some even publicly, our engagement in Israel. But for now, the mission is now and here now. Until the church enters. I've seen the entry of the church. Like all the prophecies I've given and are fulfilled, even the rapture will take place. So please just prepare. All the prophecies, including Concepcion, Concepcion, Chile, whatever, everything. The accuracy. The chocolate mountains in Philippines. Is because of one thing. Near the city of Concepcion, about 
appointing at the coming of the Messiah, the mega prophecy, the master prophecy. Are we together? And so, he goes on to say here that they will come. They will receive Jesus. They will be born again. And he says, fall at your feet and accept that I acknowledge that I have loved you. Meaning, I understand that, wow, Matthew chapter 8, verses 10 to 12 right there, where he says that, you know, people will come from as far as the east is, the west is, and they will come enter heaven and sit with the patriarchs of Israel and eat the wedding supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And he goes on to say, I will make them come and fall down at your feet, okay, and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, that is now the scripture on the rapture, verse 10, blessed people, where we are coming back to. After all this rundown, I am now coming back to start the work. We are going to define each one of these things. What does it mean in command? What is the command? What does it mean to endure patiently? And what does it mean the hour of trial? What does it mean the whole earth? What does it mean to test the inhabitants of the earth? Who are the inhabitants of the earth? What does it mean to remove you from? I also will remove you from. If he had, how about if he had said, I also will, rather he says, let me read it here. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that's coming. How about, he, how about if he had said, I will also keep you through or keep you in? That would mean that the rapture will not happen until the tribulation happens. And that would mean you have to prepare your next for slaughter to be beheaded, right? That's unbelievable. And then he says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from, I will underline the word from, the hour of trial, say dispensation is keeping you from, of trial that is going to come on the whole known earth to test the inhabitants of the earth. Then look at verse 11, blessed people. Look at what we are going to open up today from verse 11. Verse 11 says, Georgia Vengo. Georgia Vengo. Verse 11 says, I am coming. I am coming. And it does not give any timeline, meaning the imminency of his return is spelled out right there. Any time, at any minute. Any day, when you least expect, right? That's the first thing that shouts, screams out there. And then he says, hold on to what you have. So I'm going to look at, first of all, I am coming. When he says he is coming, what is the meaning of that? Because we know that when he comes, he is coming with his glory, right? Yes, because he said, tell them, I will give them the glory, right? So he's bringing the promised glory, right? So number one, you could say, he's we will open up this. Don't worry, I have a lot of it here. Big time. It's big tonight. I, I think at one point we can the scriptures marathon, right? When he says, I am coming, what does he mean? He implies that he's coming with his glory. Number two, it implies that he is coming with his power. He's coming as a powerful king. Not anymore to be nailed where. No. Number three, he's coming with his authority. We'll look at each of these. Number four, he is coming with his kingdom. 
Hallelujah. Number five, he is coming with his judgment also. Coming to judge. Even that the rapture, when he takes a few and leaves the other, when one will be taken, the other remains, he has already judged. Because he has taken his own into safety and someone is going to grind through that fire of the tribulation, right? So we will look at that statement, I am coming. You will see the imminency of his return there. Big, big topic, big message right there. And then you will see that he's coming with his kingdom, for example, with his glory, with his power, with his judgment also. And then with his reward also to give each person according to what they have done. Are we together? So we're going to look at that because this is the rapture church. And then he says, hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. That is also very big. In other words, he's saying, don't be like Esau. In other words, he's warning the present day church. We're going to look at that also. What does it mean to hold on to what you have that no one may take your crown? Meaning there is a danger, peligro, of someone snatching your crown. It is, there is a danger of plunder. And he's saying here, in other words, that don't be like Esau. That is a warning here sounded again and again, right? Who for temporary pleasure, he, he despised his inheritance. And he lost his inheritance. That warning has been well sounded by the Lord. Don't be like Esau. That's why I said, let me just have this scripture read through and open up before we go now down deeper, right? Don't be like Esau. So, he's saying, there is a possibility of losing your inheritance. There is a possibility of losing eternity with God. And he's saying, that Reuben lost to Judah. For temporary pleasure. This is unbelievable what he did, right? With his younger mother, I think, right? For temporary pleasure, he lost his inheritance. Look at what Judah took. Until the Messiah is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Until there is the kingdom of Judah. He's saying that Saul, King Saul, already lost to David. Are we still together? And Shebna lost to who? Eliakim. So he's saying, look at this now. On this one, my sons and daughters, on this one, behind Mandere there, so on this one, He's saying the following. He's saying that this is the biggest danger in the present day church. They have trivialized their eternity with God and they have lost it for temporary convenience. Why, why, why are you dressed like that? No, but you have to understand that my workplace, they cannot allow us to dress the way we do. So, you know, to keep my job, I have to do that. For convenience. For convenience, they have lost their eternity with God. Why, why are you doing that? No, it's, it's, I had to do that because I'm the only breadwinner. 
So if I, my boss told me if I don't sign that thing, I would be fired, and I didn't want to come home. My husband also has no job. I, 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 I. If there is a generation that has chosen temporary pleasure, convenience, and lost their eternity in heaven, it is this generation. So we will open that up also, right? And then he goes on to say, the one who is victorious, what does it mean victorious? What is overcomer? What are you supposed to overcome? Did you say it? It is you, right? It is your flesh. It is the world. And hence sin, right? And the enemy. I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God. Do you remember when the Lord walked with me in the temple inside heaven? When he was walking on my right hand side? In that temple we tried to draw it. I don't know whether we were able to retrace it or put it back. We tried to draw it, blessed people, that temple. And okay, maybe it's not the, it's the thing you've been showing all the time, but if you find it. And I tried to work with, with graphics, but we need to glory to make it more glory, uh, glorified. It says, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it, meaning eternity with the Lord. That's what he's talking about there. I'll write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. Do you remember that when I was reading this on a Sunday, I think it was January 29th, 1.20 p.m., right? You people were in churches, right? When I was reading this, I fell asleep. So this is a big sum on this part here, tonight. When I was reading this, then I, when I say, the name of the city, that is of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven, the Lord snatched me and took me into the new Jerusalem, this time in the main street. And I looked at the houses now, horizontally, even the stairs going upstairs. I could see the upper floors and so forth. And I came and stopped your Sunday services because I panicked. And remember, in the, okay, the pillar is right there. But remember, in that tremendous visitation, the vision when he took me, when I was reading this, reach verse 12, and he took me into glory. He took me into the new Jerusalem, literally. Do you remember that when that happened, I stopped your Sunday services. And when I stopped your Sunday services, because I feared, and by voice he said, the eternal home of the righteous. So this one is a big sermon in itself. That's why tonight is a big night. Hallelujah. And so, and then he goes on to say, he goes on to say here, my, my God, the temple of my God, never again will you leave it. I'll write on them the name of my God, the name of... So, so that, that's the a new name. Your citizenship has changed. That will be now your new name showing you have been, your redemption has been completed. You have now completely crossed over. It's a new name. Your citizenship has changed. Even your family lineage has changed. There's a lot that is signified there. The new Jerusalem, the home of the righteous, that is a very tremendous city. And then... Uh, then which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. This is what we need to plow through tonight in a hurry. Hallelujah. We need to plow through this tonight in a hurry. Those who want, someone want to refresh you, just go and come back. But I need to run through this step by step. 
Right. I just need someone just to read scripture so we can make it through to the other side, right? Hallelujah. So it's a big night here, blessed people. The last night, as usual. Academic model of all these things, right? As though there's an exam tomorrow. <laughs> I tell you, but let's try to see how much we can do. So let us look at the deeds, right? Let us look at the deeds. But first of all, when he says, verse 10, now... When he reads, when he says, read now Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. King James. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Thank you. So, what is the meaning of that? To keep thee from the hour of temptation that's coming upon all them that dwell upon the earth. And so, there he's talking about the rapture of the church. And we have seen that that is a pre-tribulation rapture before that hard time comes, right? And so, the scriptures that you read for the church there is First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 18. Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. John chapter 14, verses 1 all the way to 3 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 50 to 58 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 9 to 10 you can read that in King James and then we read 1 Thessalonians 5 turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for, the son, for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come now look at that okay so but if you look at uh, if you read it on NIV and the rest they say who rescues us from the coming wrath so that is very powerful because he is now talking in like manner with Revelation 3 verse 10 that is coming to you from the hour of wrath that is coming. So now here too, he's talking about how the salvation we have is for the purpose of removing us. Jesus coming to remove us. Again, is he mentioning heaven? Did he mention heaven there? Just read it. Just read it. Okay. Read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 9. So our Lord Jesus is coming from heaven. And we know that he ascended there. I saw him there. And is coming to remove us from the coming wrath. Are we together? So then let nobody lie to you. Let nobody lie to you that that means that the rapture should happen mid-tribulation. After the first three and a half years. Not at all. Because the horsemen are alone. They kill one quarter of the earth. It's already judgment. And you can see even what we are doing now. We have not yet, the rapture is not yet. We are judging nations and what have you, right? You can see that you cannot say that all oh, that time is not a judgment. Wrath only begins in the second half. Not at all. So read real quick First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That is very powerful. That God has not appointed his church. Just be standing because of time. Now we are in bad, bad, bad time. He has not appointed the church to see the wrath, but salvation. 
that Jesus has brought to the church. And then uh, the book of Genesis chapter 19, 20 to 25. Hallelujah. Thank you for allowing me to do this marathon. I again have to appreciate you. Because I have so much that the Lord has given me for the church. I just need time. And when I'm in Kenya, I have this latitude. I can do this. Abroad, we are not able, you know. I maybe just condense it a little and then do healing service, move to the next city. Can you read Genesis chapter 19, verses 20 and 25? Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. So you can see very clearly as he's standing up, going to read the next one. You can see very clearly that what he's saying, he's continuing the conversation on Revelation chapter 3 verse 10, that it's the pre-tribulation rapture. It's the rapture that snatches away the church from judgment. Tribulation is judgment. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, For there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You have already loved Jesus. You have accepted him. God has no reason to just judge you for no apparent reason. To destroy the very bride, to mix together with the wicked and destroy them together. No, he doesn't, that's not him, right? It's not in him. Are we together? And so that's very powerful. And he's saying uh, also uh, in the book of Genesis chapter 5 verse 24, when it takes away Enoch before the flood, and so in the flood there are those that perish in there, and there are those that are saved through it, symbolizing Israel, but Enoch is snatched out before. And Enoch and David, I mean Daniel, Daniel is missing from the fire. Are we together? And how about Ruth? So, so, so you can read the Bible and see how the Lord operates, right? How about Ruth and the threshing floor? The floor. Okay, can you read real quick? And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Very serious. And so, how about I know your deeds? Can you read Ephesians chapter 2, 6, and 9? That means salvation by the grace, not deeds. Normally what you do, you first clear the ground. You make sure that people understand you that salvation is by the grace. It's not your act. And then now you narrow down as to why you're saying, I know you are this, not your faith. And you explain it to them. And so now next you should read James chapter 2, 20, 26, we have already read. But you can read it. It's saying that faith without deeds is like what? He's dead, right? And he says, even Abraham, who is the father of faith, didn't he have to catch a child and tie up with firewood and obey and do some deeds? Hallelujah. For will not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not 
by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the hallowed justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent So he's saying that when you have faith, should produce forth good deeds, right? So you have to go out. You still have to go out. You cannot say, oh, if I do anything, that is now not grace. No. You have to go out. Hallelujah. And so, he's saying, uh, Titus 3.5 on the deeds. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Very serious. And then he says, and there's so much on the deeds, uh, Matthew 16, 27, I bless them, I reward them according to what they have done, the deeds. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. And then Romans 2, 6, he says, and then Revelation 22, 12, Romans 2, 6, who will render to every man according to his deeds. And so, you, you can go to Revelation 22, 12, and then Job 34, 11, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward... Hallelujah. Yes. It's uh, getting... Ex you just read whatever you can read. Luke 18, 8, and then Acts 12, 7. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Acts chapter 12, 7. I think we're getting a little tired standing. Burning feet. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick! Get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. That level, you feel that there is that urgency in that coming. Acts 22, 18. Aye. And saw him saying unto me, Make haste, and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And so, when he says that, uh, hold on to what you have, what you hear is perseverance, holding on. Number one, perseverance. Number two, you hear him say, consider this therefore, more seriously now. Number three, you hear him saying, be faithful. You can sit for a moment. Be faithful. Number four, it's as though he's saying, remember. Be honest. Be watchful. Hold fast. Wash your robes. Time is near. Keep the words in your heart. Remain clothed. Be holy. Be righteous. Have the fear of God. The instruction you see flowing from there. And you see that when he comes, he comes to bring his kingdom. I want also to look at wherefore comfort one another later. But can we focus on keeping his command? Second Peter chapter two nine. Second Peter two nine. 
the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to rescue the unjust unto the day of judgment. Sorry, to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So the Lord is very powerful when He asks you to endure. You remember that is patiently, enduring patiently. You remember the Hebrew boys? They refused to give in. They refused to give in to the demands of the enemy. And it was tremendous. So, I want to run down the following. I want to go through the following right now. What does it mean keeping his command? Revelation 2.10, real quick in a hurry now. Oh, enduring patiently. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. And so, enduring patiently, keeping his command in your heart. Second Peter 2.9 we have seen, Hebrews 6.13-15.